0: From Sector 001 in the Alpha Quadrant, this is the Omega Directive, Episode 19, Kevin Delmore, His Writing Career, and His Day Job, The History of Star Trek uh, Holiday Ornaments.
1: Excuse me, I'm interested in the new collector's ornament from Hallmark.
0: Ah, the Shuttlecraft Galileo from the Starship Enterprise. Precisely. You know, it lights up when you plug it in. And listen.
1: Shuttlecraft to Enterprise. Spock here. Happy holidays. Live long and prosper. Fascinating. For a store in your sector now carrying the Star Trek ornament, call 1-800-Hallmark.
0: Live long and prosper, right?
1: No, I'll take five.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Omega Directive. I am again your host, Steve Atwell. Paul, the applause. And um, my regular co-host, Kevin uh, Dr. Guy KS. I believe his last name is Noel, Noble, but then again, that might be a pseudonym. He's a real person. I'm just not sure of his motive sometimes. <laughs> he said he'd be joining us shortly. He has some stuff to take care of real quick. But here for the interview, he is a local area author who made it big. Uh, he works uh, a day job at uh, Hallmark um, greeting cards, etc. His name is Kevin Dilmore, and some of you have probably read some of his books. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for doing this. Thank you
1: very much. It's uh, great to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, I've, been, it's, I've been writing long enough now that uh, you know so, a number of the books that uh, Dana and I have uh, done together are... Are harder to find and not in print, so uh, it's it's a little bit uh, a little bit tougher to chase me down these days.
0: Dayton, Dayton, that name sounds
1: familiar. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I would imagine that uh, that uh, if, if you don't, if you can look him up on Wikipedia, you could probably find out everything you need to know.
0: Dayton Ward, that's that's the, the, yeah, guy. He the guy. He was on one of our previous shows. Oh, great! He, he's a pretty nice fellow.
1: Absolutely, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't work with him otherwise.
0: Okay, so Kevin, you grew up somewhere in Kansas. I did.
1: I, did. Um, I was born in New York State, but moved to uh, Kansas right around the time of the moonshot of the Apollo Eleven of the story that I don't remember a lot of, but what uh, my mom said was that uh, the first thing that came off the moving truck was the TV because she knew that she uh, that as soon as it got plugged in and uh, turned on to CBS that I would. Uh, just uh, sit quietly with uh, Uncle Walter Cronkite and, uh, and watch uh, all the moon landing stuff, which uh, apparently, I mean, and I do have vague memories of, uh, of, of doing so when I was five. Um, uh, but that was in uh, Abilene, Kansas, uh, where I grew up, uh, went to school at the University of Kansas, and have uh, lived in Kansas uh, um, the rest of my life since then.
0: And what kind of interests and hobbies uh, did you have as a kid? And were you in fact a nerd?
1: <laughs> well, I I, I will uh, come by the uh, the term honestly that uh, that yes, I I, uh, I don't I don't want to say that I was uh, um, a uh, kept to myself uh, kind of a kid. I certainly uh, had uh, lots of friends, especially growing up on a dead end street with a bunch of kids. You know, we always had a, enough to play kickball or uh, goof off outside my uh, uh, neighbor across the street. Um, was a uh, Star Trek fan In fact when I had uh, Been telling him About this uh, uh, Wonderful new Cartoon called Star Trek That I had been uh, uh, That I had discovered uh, He's the one who told me That in fact it was a live action series Before it was a cartoon Which I was uh, n- uh, Not necessarily aware of So he uh, keyed me into uh Uh, Star Trek in the early seventies. I guess uh, if the uh, um, if the animated series came out in September of seventy three, when I was nine, that would have been when I first tuned into that. Um, Seeing Star Wars a couple weeks before my thirteenth birthday kind of sealed the deal on. um, you know, the big pop culture franchises for me, and uh, read a lot of uh, Bradbury and uh, Highland growing up. Um, uh, looked uh, Asimov to a lesser degree. Um, a lot of pulp science fiction that I discovered in my uh, hometown library when I started uh, rooting around wanting to read um, Star Trek and Star Wars. The first uh, Star Trek book that I had uh Ever got was through Scholastic. I picked up um, Alan Dean Foster's Star Trek Log One, Uh, and I think that it was you know reading a lot of Alan Dean Foster's work, uh, novelizations for uh, Dark Star and Alien and Outland, a number of different uh, uh, other other books that went on to inspire movies and tv shows i remember uh reading uh, uh logan's run uh early um just really uh, keyed me into that uh, uh you know the synergy between uh um, science fiction books and movies and tv shows and then i was a big comics reader too star wars was actually the uh, um uh you know was the real key to me starting to get into comics pretty early um well not i guess I mean, 13 may or may not be early as far as uh, joining comics, but for actually um, buying them and collecting them um, was uh, the continuation of the original movie that Marvel did in in, uh, 1978 was what keyed me in there. So, yeah, I was uh, just uh, uh, onward and upward through college uh, and, uh, and then into my career as a newspaper reporter. I had reached out to Dan Madsen, uh, who was the uh, publisher and owner of Star Trek Communicator when I was working at a uh, small newspaper? And this would have been in 1997 or 98, and that was the beginning of my uh, professional career as uh, you know, writing uh, in the uh, world of Star Trek.
0: Okay, so is writing something you always wanted to do as a little kid, or what did you think you'd do when you grew up?
1: You know, well, I'm i mean, i I knew I liked writing and I knew that uh you know I would make up uh, I would kind of make up stories. I really did more uh outlining or pseudo screenplay writing really. I mean I didn't sit down and and write uh, well thought out prose uh when I was young. I thought maybe it'd be fun to uh do a comic strip like a newspaper comic strip but uh my uh, uh attempts at that were pretty lame. <laughs> I certainly can't draw. It was in uh, high school that uh, uh, in uh, my yearbook uh, cl- uh, teacher, who actually was an English teacher of mine since I was a freshman, was the first person to really uh, um, uh, plant the seed in me to consider writing as a career path. It's something I didn't really think that uh, I'd, you know. I just didn't think that it would be something that uh, that people went out and did. I mean, it just in you know, a small town America. I mean, it was I wasn't really surrounded by anybody except for newspaper writers who were uh, making uh, money that way. And then um, I uh, went to went to school. Um, thought it was at K University of Kansas in Lawrence, and I thought it was going to uh, get into film production. I majored in film studies, and then had an experience with the college newspaper that got me thinking maybe I would like to be in, in journalism and potentially be a movie or TV reviewer. Um, I just decided it was more fun to write about um, film than actually make it, at least for me. So um, that's, that was my uh, path toward writing.
0: Wonderful. Okay, it looks like uh, my co-host has joined us, is that correct? Oh, terrific. Oh,
1: terrific. Yeah, yeah, hey, what's going on, guys? Sorry. Welcome.
0: Sorry.
2: Welcome. <clears throat>
0: Kevin, meet Kevin.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it would be easy to remember the
2: name. <laughs> Thanks. Nice to meet you, too.
0: So far, we've just discussed a bit about how Kevin uh, Dilmore what, grew up uh, loving science fiction and his passion for reading and writing. Nice. So. Nice. You haven't missed much yet <laughs> um, uh Kevin D, um if
1: I may of course, I don't know
0: if you if you remember the first time that you and I met, you probably
1: don't i well, I'm sure it was at a convention um but uh but I don't know if it's dates back to the slanted fedora days or not. Ten years ago at an improv show. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. It would have been, uh, would that have been at uh, Westport Coffee House?
0: Yeah. And yeah. You were, um, Trish Prong, of course, Kansas City's improv queen.
1: Oh, no kidding. No kidding.
0: Was, um, uh, I don't even remember the group she was in at the time. Tantrum. 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 But um, they were doing a show and they had you on as a guest to uh, deliver a monologue and you talked about an experience riding your bike when you were a kid and they turned that into an improv <laughs> And then they said, "Okay, uh any one from the audience tell us come up and tell us about your day and we'll do something." And I got up and told us about my day.
1: I absolutely remember that now. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh I was invited to to uh um do improv with uh with Tantrum uh half a dozen times, I think over the course of that group's lifespans and it was a uh it was, it was a lot of fun i'm it's, uh, I'm glad you remember that it was a fun night
0: yeah yeah i was in between improv troops at the time i had just recently left the improv abilities group which is now called casey improv oh sure and oh, sure. that was before i had joined the uh roving imps
1: okay oh well, i remember oh, I yeah remember. Okay. <laughs> okay
0: um and I was delighted to learn that there were Star Trek writers, you know, in the Kansas City area. Yeah, there's, uh, I don't know that there's many
1: of us, but at least two.
0: Yeah, so um, thank you again for uh, agreeing to do this thing. Of course. Um, of course. And, of course, Trish, like I say, she is well regarded in the local improv community. And, yeah. Um, yeah. She has kept her day job at Hallmark. And yes, she was your,
1: she was uh, my yeah. second manager at Hallmark. I've been at Hallmark um for uh, 13 years and uh and she was the uh, second person I worked for.
0: Yeah, and uh okay, so what is it that you exactly that you do at
1: Hallmark? My uh my title is senior writer. Um I began at Hallmark in the uh internal creative marketing studio, which uh just kind of imagine as uh It's in-house advertising agency, and I was writing um, for direct mail um, uh, support of our Hallmark Gold Crown stores. Um, And the and then part of my beat, as it were, and Trish always says that you know I kind of worked that job like I did a newspaper job. So part of my beat was. The uh, Keepsake Ornament Club, uh, that was uh, it, it was and, and remains a group with a large number of uh, Keepsake Ornament fans of various uh, um, you know, longevities. Keepsake started in 1973. Uh, the club started, I want to say 1995, but that doesn't sound quite right. Um, I'll take that back. It might have been 1985 but uh um that was my job was to support the uh um the club i went on to uh, write a number of issues of their quarterly magazine which was called for keeps and i also wrote uh a number of the uh keepsake ornament dream book catalogs which started to morph from a uh, just strictly a listing of ornaments into more of a magazine format with uh interviews of artists and uh, feature stories on ornament lines and all sorts of stuff it was a lot of fun i still have a uh, great affinity for keepsakes and continue my relationship uh with them as a uh, as a writer for the keepsakes department division as well as uh Um, a, uh, you know, helping develop uh, ornament ideas and things like that.
0: Okay, so what can you tell us about the history of the Star Trek ornaments?
1: Uh, I'll I'll, I'll see what I can do. And uh, uh, the first Star Trek ornament was in 1991. Um, It was called uh, Starship Enterprise. It was an ornament that uh, Hallmark had uh, decided to embark upon um, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the original series um the ornament sculptor was uh lynn norton who himself was a uh, very avid fan of star trek and a very knowledgeable fan of star trek (coughs) pardon me and he set into making what uh his uh uh, plan was to be as uh, accurate a depiction of the uh uh, Constitution class starship as he could. The uh, uh, challenges that he faced internally were, uh, you know, kind of coming at him from several fronts. First off, people at Hallmark didn't think that Hallmark consumers would be interested in buying Star Trek ornaments. So what happened was uh, they they thought that they needed to uh, kind of Christmas it up. The original plan uh, that that Lynn uh, thankfully talked them out of was to take garland and kind of loop it like bunting around the edge of the primary hull and uh, and then have Santa Claus popping out of the bridge no, <laughs> and, 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 no. Um, and right um, exactly and uh, and Lynn convinced them that hey you know what we could sell the heck out of this ornament and you know maybe even uh, continue to make more uh, Star Trek ornaments. Uh, the more accurate we are, <laughs> you know, a little less, uh, um, you know, uh, focused on what, uh, you know, Im- imaginary, uh, um, uh, you know, depictions of, of Santa in the 23rd century. Um, and, uh, and they acquiesced and said okay, but then they also ran into a couple of other issues. Um, that year they had a merchandiser for the ornaments uh, that was set up to look a little bit like um, – an array of uh of of post boxes you know imagine like an old-time mail room with those you know the slots where people get their mail um the uh they wanted every um uh, ornament to be able to fit into this merchandiser and consequently they uh, shortened the nacelles on the starship to be able to fit into that merchandiser and then when it came to underwriter labs and trying to fit the wiring in to uh, make the ornament light up, and have that pigtail kind of come back out of it, then they kind of shortened and fattened the primary hull. So when you look at that uh, at at the ornament, I mean, it's it's you know it certainly is a loving depiction of Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, main ship, and uh, and certainly something that they wanted fans to get behind. But uh, uh, it uh, um, always kind of joke that looks more like the uh, S.S. Bonaventure from the animated series than it did the U.S.S. Enterprise. Um, Lynn really did uh, – he got the chance to, to make up for himself in, uh, in 2006 when uh, the 40th anniversary uh, rolled around, and uh, he got to do uh, about, I, I think, the most accurate uh, um, uh, um, Enterprise that, that we had done uh, to that time. Yeah, it
0: sounds like the Bonaventure from your description. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness! It's
1: kind of fat. So, in 1990, 1991, uh, the ornament was uh, met with huge success. In fact, it went back into production, um, a, which is something that in, typically ornaments uh, don't do. We try to estimate demand. You know, I mean, we, you know, I mean, ornament manufacturer kind of runs year round at Hallmark, and uh, even though we only sell. Six months out of the year, you know, we're we're working on ornaments. In fact, I've been I've been working on a uh, a series of ornaments, a three year series of ornaments that are going to be interacting with each other. Um, and uh, and I've been working on those for gosh uh, since before uh, Star Trek: Las Vegas, which would have been early August. Um, and uh, and these are not going to come out until 2020. That's how far ahead we sometimes work. And the uh, but the 91 ornament uh, sold so well that it went back into production to meet consumer demand that year. And in 1992, uh, you'll uh, and this one the collectors will will you know learn is, or will tell you is a lot easier to find. They did the uh, um, uh, Galileo shuttlecraft. And I believe that one was sculpted by Dill Rodas. I don't I'm I'm pretty sure that Lynn did not do the shuttlecraft, but it's pretty darn close to accurate when you look at it. I mean the dimensions and stuff are great. And they uh uh got Leonard Nimoy to record an original message for um uh, for that ornament. So you press the button and and hear uh um you know Spock hailing the Enterprise and, and wishing everybody happy holidays. And and if you go on YouTube you can see um uh that uh leonard nimoy did an advertisement um for uh um uh the selling that ornament on tv which is actually it's kind of cute i'll use i'll pop that up on my facebook once in a while Uh, he holds up the vulcan sign and somebody says live long and prosper and he says no i'll take five you know that's uh, yeah i'm gonna
0: in in post-production editing this i'm going to insert the audio from that oh terrific terrific. great and i'm gonna insult the other in in insult insert <laughs> the other couple of uh adverts for the ornaments that i found as well oh terrific yeah i points. think
1: I'm, I'm i'm trying to i'm trying to do this off uh apologize a little bit off the top of my head i believe that all told hallmark did five star trek tv ads for um uh for ornaments um the the shuttlecraft galileo uh, was one i know that they did one for the klingon bird of prey because i believe I, I think robert o'reilly was in that ad <laughs> Hallmark introduces the exclusive Klingon keepsake ornament. To call 1-800-Hallmark for a gold crown store near you. Um, I know that uh, um, that is it Patty Yasutaki, I'm trying to remember if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, who plays uh, uh, Alyssa Ogawa on Next Generation, was in an ad uh, for us.
0: Computer. Access the new keepsake magic ornament from Hallmark.
1: Accessing USS Enterprise, a collectible ornament accurately representing the Galaxy-class Starship. Ornament carries Earth Date 1993 and illuminates in a realistic manner. The new Starship Enterprise ornament, please. Replications are copies. Only Hallmark carries authentic keepsake ornament. Suggest solution. Call one 800 hallmark for store nearest you. Um, yeah. There's, I, I, uh...
0: I'm, I those are the three I know about and will certainly uh, put in. What else was there?
1: I think there was one for the Romulan ship.
0: Oh, that's right, um. yeah. yeah, I help?
2: You?
1: You are aboard the
2: Imperial Warbird Kazar. You're here to explain this.
0: Oh, the new Hallmark Star Trek keepsake magic ornament.
2: Pirated from the Romulan Empire. Mm-hmm. Look some, mm-hmm. Commander. It lights up. Tell us what you know.
0: Oh, well... Romulan warbird ornament is a gold crown.
2: Stores only for a limited time. You should get yours soon. Call one eight hundred Hallmark
0: for the store nearest you.
2: You guys in town for a Star Trek convention?
1: And um, so that's four, and maybe it is only four. Um, but I was thinking Klingon that 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 shuttlecraft, the Klingon bird of prey, the Romulan uh, warbird, and um and I and I I can't remember what. Uh, what Patty Michael- did I, was it? What did she do? The seventeen oh one D? Maybe she did. Um, but uh, but it's it, but they were a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I was thinking Michael Dorn uh, did one for the uh, the runabout for Deep Space Nine because his voice is recorded on that. I've got some of the earlier collections on that. I haven't gotten any of the newer stuff as of late. The last new thing that I have, the newest one that I have, that I have in my room right now. Is the uh, Enterprise D from uh, the Next Generation series
1: finale? And, okay, uh, that, that's uh, the uh, the triple nacelle uh, all yes. good things version. Yeah, that's that's been out a while. So uh, yeah, and, and we've and we've done I think some some really cool stuff um, in recent years. We've got some fun things planned for 2019 that I can sort of yeah. talk about. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's some uh, there's some good stuff out there this year. Uh, There are four Star Trek ornaments, five if you count our um, uh, event exclusive that we did for Star Trek Las Vegas, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, and New York Comic-Con, which were uh, depictions of Lieutenant Erex and Lieutenant Morass for the um, 45th anniversary of uh, the animated series. I'll give myself a pat on the back for uh, getting that uh, kind of – Fired up and started at Hallmark. We are the first company in 45 years to do uh, licensed and authorized three dimensional depictions of those characters. In 45 years, nobody ever did a nobody ever did plush or you know, an action figure or a maquette or anything. Um, you know, to put Eric and Morass in 3D. Not even a Funko Pop. We're the first ones to do it. So that was pretty exciting. I hope. Um, I, I sincerely hope that I can find those on like eBay for cheap. Well, I don't mm-hmm. know if you'll find them for cheap. Um, I think on you can find them on eBay, but I think they're running. We sold them at uh, the events for forty, and I think they're running on eBay for closer to a hundred. But uh, but they're fantastic sculpts. If you're a uh, if you're a fan of the uh, animated series at all, um, they're pretty cool. We've got the uh, USS Discovery that's uh, that's out this year. Uh, we have a uh, Kirk and Sulu scene from the Naked Time, where the shirtless Sulu is. Uh, is uh, um, waving his uh, rapier at uh, Captain Kirk on the bridge. Um, we've got the uh, tricorder, um, which we we did a, a, a phaser and a communicator uh, a number of years ago. And and really the three of them together, when you look at them, it's kind of funny. It kind of reminds me of the old AMT model uh, Star Trek exploration set. Because uh, so, they're too small to really have in your hand, you know, and, and feel like props. But uh, Uh, but they're pretty cool uh, to have. And then um, the – oh, shoot, I just – oh, I don't remember what it is. We have a uh, um, die-cast metal, um, kind of a a brushed silver uh, version of the uh, original 1701, um, so it's much more accurate. We did – the uh um uss enterprise in metal in 1996 for star trek's 30th anniversary but it was just a cast of the same sculpts that we did in 91 this one is uh much more uh screen accurate and uh is going to be the first in a series of uh of die cast ships for star trek if that's something that uh, that fans are interested in seeing
0: yeah i when i was at the doctor recently they had a, a catalog of, of all the new ornaments coming out and other stuff. Oh, cool! And so you have not only Star Trek, of course. There's also uh, uh, it was a DC heroes and um, Doctor Who and other stuff as well. Well, we right? don't
1: we don't have Doctor Who. Um, we do we do have uh, ornaments for uh, um, from for uh, DC Comics and Marvel Comics. We did uh, uh, Serenity from uh, from Firefly. This year, um, we have uh, ornaments from The Walking Dead. Um, there's, we've done ornaments in the past from Alien. And that's just sci-fi things I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure that there's uh, um, uh, other ones in there this year that I'm, that I'm not grabbing. But we don't have, we don't have a license for, uh, um, for Doctor Who to uh, produce those ornaments. Maybe someday. I do remember a Godzilla one that was out a couple years ago. Yep, yep, and uh, and I would imagine that uh, uh, you know any um, time uh, we uh, have a chance to do something uh, um, related to uh, Godzilla, King Kong, or um, any of the Universal um, you know studios monsters, uh, we've got a, uh, um, a product development manager for keepsakes who is a huge fan and <laughs> tries to uh, uh, get those into the line at every opportunity.
0: Bless his heart. Yes. <laughs> um, if I can, real quick, on a personal note, I just uh, was found out the other day that my nephew is going to be in the new King Kong Godzilla movie.
1: Oh my gosh! It's going that's
0: really cool. Yeah. As, as um in uh, in what role? I'm not
1: sure. He just said uh, he's not going to talk about it, but he does have a part in it. That's well. That's really cool. As that uh, um, does he live here in the Kin City area, or is he on the coast? He's in Hawaii.
0: He was in, All right. in the navy, and his final posting was Hawaii. He just decided to retire there, started his own gym, and managed to become the personal trainer for the cast of Hawaii Five-O. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. They started putting him in episodes and various small bed parts, and from there he's developed his acting career. And so he was just in a Lifetime movie recently. He's on the new uh, has. Uh, Magna Pi has had a few shots,
1: and uh, now he's going to do this. Oh, that's very cool. Well, um, you know, have his uh, agent contact uh, uh, the Hallmark Channel. You know, he could uh, he could always uh, uh, end up in uh, in a Hallmark movie too. You never know. He, he was
0: in um, Deadly Matrimony. <laughs> one the most recent that's on recently. Anyway, there you go. Anyway, Kevin N, do you have anything yeah. to add at this point? Any questions?
2: No, um nothing right now. I I I don't know what to say at this point. I, I love the Star Trek ornaments that you guys do, even Thanks. if I don't have every one of them. Uh, I was just looking to see if you guys had board, uh the board cube and I'd forgotten you did. And yes. then I and, then, and it's right there. It's from Voyager. Does it I can't remember, does it talk or not talk?
1: I believe it I believe it has sound. I know that when uh we do um our Star Trek ornaments, we, um, unless they're the, you know, the, just the straight-on figurals, we, pardon me, we try uh, to include what we call keepsake magic. Keepsake magic is anything that is light, sound, motion, or a combination of the three. Yes. And and we, uh, you know, it's like, like Discovery is lit, and the Naked Time ornament has sound, the uh, uh, tricorder has sound. Um, we, uh, are trying to, uh, you know, just, it's, it's fun to kind of, uh, jazz those up. I'm pretty sure, um, that the, uh, um, that the board cube had light and sound, but I just, but, but I, uh, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I just found one of the pictures that says voice and light. Of the voice itself. Okay. There you go yeah. um, what you might want to do for uh, anybody who's uh, curious about uh, our you know our history in Star Trek Ornaments, I'll put in a plug for a website that actually is based in Olathe um, for a business that is called Hooked on Ornaments. Um, hooked on Ornaments is our largest third-party um, reseller, and if uh, if Nikki down there doesn't have it, then I'm, then you know, it, you know your second best bet would be to to, ch- um, to check eBay. I believe that the URL for that is Hooked on Hallmark. I think it's Hooked on Hallmark com. Nice. nice. Uh, um, but uh, you can go to her website and um and uh, uh just do a search for star trek and everything should pop up and also just another quick plug we are doing this is our second year of doing um what we call mass channel ornaments keepsake ornaments are sold in uh um you know kind of exclusively in limited uh shops they either are sold in uh, the uh, in our hallmark gold crown stores and then uh, there are some stores like Kohl's that will have a limited or you know a lesser selection of keepsakes available and but we also if you go now to uh, places like Walmart and uh, and some other uh, you know uh, larger retailers we have hallmark ornaments without the keepsakes just hallmark ornaments in there at uh, usually in a uh, Seven eight dollar price range. They're uh, generally made, you know, like uh, you know, out of PVC plastic, that kind of thing. And this is our second year for having Star Trek ornaments. Uh, last year we did a uh, an ornament of Spock, and it is very much modeled after what uh, uh, CBS is called the Quags. Uh, Q-U-O-G-S, these kind of uh, uh, animated renderings of – no, I shouldn't say animated because they're just, they're just um, illustrated um, renderings of the original crew. And uh, this year we have uh, Captain Kirk as well as Mr. Spock back in stores. And there's also a decoupage ornament of the shuttlecraft. Um, of Good. the original Galileo shuttlecraft, and you can find those if, uh, if you know when you're. Uh, I don't know exactly who all carries our uh, um, our mass channel ornaments, and I'm not. I don't think they're available through our website. I'd have to look, but uh, keep an eye out in stores for a uh, uh, fun uh, Kirk and Spock ornaments and the and the shuttlecraft as well.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely check out that uh, Hallmark reseller out
1: in Olathe. Um, yes. Yeah, and she's and you can uh, she's got store hours too. So if you wanted to, uh, uh, if there's anything that uh, uh, you see in uh, on her website that uh, you don't necessarily want to pay postage or don't have to, don't want to wait for something to uh, show up in the mail, um, yep. you can uh, wander out there and uh, and she'll hook you up. Yeah, I live about 15 minutes away, so I'll definitely check her out. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and she's great. Nikki Pierce is her name.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because. Um, some years ago, uh, about 15 years or so ago, 2000, 2001, actually, longer than that, my then-girlfriend gave me for Christmas a um, uh, Benjamin Sisko uh, one of Oh, cool. And I had that on my dashboard in my car. Ah. And um, in uh, 2006, I believe, somebody broke into my car and stole it. Oh, uh, they bastards. Also, they also took the tribbles that I had in the back seat. Um and I had to replace it with the uh, um ghostly um, Obi Wan Kenobi that was a kind of giveaway from I think a breakfast cereal. Yeah,
1: not quite the same effect, but no, not that's I, I would I uh, well um you know vastly inferior uh, to uh, to Captain Cisco, but that's but that's okay. Um, yeah, you could if that was something you wanted to track down. I'm sure that uh, to replace, I'm sure she has it. Yeah, I
0: don't think a Jedi Knight in any way compares to the emissary of the prophets.
1: <laughs> we don't. We're all friends here. We don't want to alienate anybody, but I have to agree.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so anyway, Kevin, uh, I had um, wanted to have you on um, earlier this year during the summer. To be part of the um summer travel series, but at that time you were kind of busy because you just welcomed a new grandbaby into the world.
1: I did. I had a uh, uh, my grandson was born on the first of May, and then I was out of town for almost a solid month between um a uh be- between our going to Comic Con International in San Diego. a uh, Vacation that I had planned in L.A. and then uh, the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. So, so yeah, it was a very busy summer for me. But it's been uh, it's been a very fun, very fun year to uh, welcome uh, Lorenzo to the family. Uh, He turned uh, uh, seven months a week ago, so he is uh, uh, doing well. Uh, I think that uh, he uh, he I know he was a pretty he took to crawling pretty quick and i've just got a got a funny feeling that he's going to be an early walker so uh so my uh daughter and son-in-law will have their hands full
0: well that's great so the star trek the experience
1: in las vegas yes the, the late lamented um
0: <laughs> you were you there opening weekend or i
1: was there opening night yeah um i uh when I first got my uh, uh, invitation to contribute to Star Trek Communicator, um, I sent in – it was actually a, uh, um, a story. Uh, it was a feature story on Chase Masterson, uh, Lita from Deep Space Nine, uh, who I had met at a convention in Kansas City. And then she was, aver- she was promoting at that uh, um, convention – that she was going to be returning to Kansas City just within a few months. And I asked if she had a Kansas City connection because I thought, you know, why are you coming out here you know, twice in, in four months or whatever? And, and she said, well, no, I just was invited. And this was by a convention I believe was called Snowflake. Does that ring any bells? Yes. Um, yes. So, so um, that, uh, that it was here in the Kansas City area. So I interviewed her. Um, sold that story to Star Trek Communicator. They asked me um, what I might like to work on next, and uh, one of the things I said was that while I happen to be going to Las Vegas. I know that Star Trek: The Experience is starting to roll up. I would be happy to be your, you know, you know, correspondent on the development of that project and that was one of the assignments that they gave me so I got really close to uh, uh, the people at Paramount Parks who were working on that and it's, it's um, one of the things that's fun about the Star Trek family is kind of once you make a connection you end up keeping a connection and I still um, uh, check in pretty regularly with uh, Susan Lomax who was my connection for, uh, at uh, Star Trek The Experience uh, for Paramount Parks but yeah, I got uh, I went out to Vegas during construction once and took some pictures and uh, uh, wandered a little bit uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, area of the construction and uh, talked to some of the designers. Herman Zimmerman was involved in uh, uh, in a lot with uh, the experience and uh, bringing uh, Deep Space Nine to life. And yeah, I was I got to be there on opening night. Um, I had a chance to interview a whole bunch of people, um, trying to remember, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, that was the first place that, uh, actually, it was the first place I had met James Doohan since becoming a contributor to Star Trek Communicator. I actually met him for the first time back in 1986 when he made a visit to uh, the campus at, at uh, University of Kansas and waited in a big sprawling line to get, I think it was in conjunction with Star Trek IV. Um, but uh waited in a big line and he uh was signing uh, photos and was uh, de- just a, a delightful delightfully nice gentleman to get a chance to meet um but uh yeah it was it was great it was really fun to be there opening night i've got some uh, some photographs uh, from that as well the You know, with everybody lined up in their uh, uniforms and dry ice and and everything rolling out the first time they opened the doors, it was uh, was pretty exciting. Got a chance to meet and speak with uh, Jonathan Frakes and Armin Shimmerman um, to get uh, quotes from them on opening night. It was a a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. I want to go back. I want to mention Snowflake is an occasional convention that happens every once in a while in February. Um, I'm friends with the guy who puts it on, and he oh, nice. said he wants to do with this one, wants to do one this coming February. Really? He wants to have the Klingons involved, uh, local fans. With he wanted to do a a, a jail and bail thing with the area Klingons. hmm And I guess I'm now the Klingons' front spokesperson. <laughs> Even
1: can't though, I can, you're you're a great ambassador for the Klingon Empire. I I, I would not. Uh, um you know would would not deny that
0: well that's what i've become and that is my official role within the uh local fan club is ambassador at large we'll see what happens with that i don't have any other details about the upcoming snowflake if it's actually going to happen if it's just in a possible um hopeful stage
1: well if if you find anything out um feel free to uh just drop me a note on uh, facebook i would be interested in uh and, and attending and, and dropping by to seeing people, if nothing else, um, and, or if he was uh, uh, interested in Dayton and I showing up. Dayton and I would show up together as civilians probably regardless, but if there was something that he was interested in, uh, um, you know, we would be happy to uh, set up and sign or do something like that, I'm sure, depending. We do have one in, uh, I think it's the... First week of February, I don't know why the 8th is in my head, but I think it's February 8th that we're going to be um, in Missouri for a uh, uh, college's convention that they call Art Con. Um, Dayton and I are going down with Megan Levins, who is a Kansas City comic book artist. She actually has uh, drawn uh, Star Trek comics. She drew a uh, story in IDW's miniseries Star Trek Waypoint. Uh, Dayton and I wrote a story that was in issue number two and she drew a story that was in issue number three
0: send me information about that convention i want to know about it
1: um sure yeah let me uh i, I have to uh, i'll uh, send you a link
0: yeah and um help me get in touch with uh what's her name megan
1: um megan you could probably, i think she's got a website and i think she's uh um i'm pretty sure she's on facebook so if you wanted to just uh um take a look through my uh, friend's list I'm sure you could find her.
0: Okay, what's your last name?
1: Levins, L E V E N S.
0: Okay, cuz I'm always looking for guests to get on this show. Oh cool. And it's annoying when I ask people and they don't respond at all.
1: Oh yeah, that's not fun,
0: but it happens. Okay, so how did you start writing the fiction, the the books, the short stories and uh, all of that stuff?
1: Well, that that came that's my first opportunity came through my uh uh connection to uh, Star Trek Communicator. I was interviewing John Ordover, who at the time was the editor of the line of Star Trek novels for pocketbooks. And he asked me if I would be interested in writing a story for the communicator. And I was also writing for Star Trek.com at the time um, about his new. Um, and Pocketbook's new line of uh, fiction for the Microsoft eBook reader. Uh, this was back in uh, 1999, I think, when they were pitching this, uh, and they were making books available through things like Palm Pilot. <laughs> so this was, you know, this was kind of, uh, you know, the uh, um, the harbinger of of uh, eBooks. Certainly, was a lot different then than it is now but what uh, um, he asked me if I was interested in talking about his plans for a group of uh, stories that he called Starfleet Corps of Engineers, and I said, absolutely, and as we were talking, and he was describing to me the types of stories that he wanted for SCE, I said, oh, well, I mean, so they would do the kind of things like uh, maybe figuring out how to pull the Defiant out of Interface and, and uh and save it and bring it back kind of a raise the titanic type story and he got real quiet and he said actually yeah that's exactly the kind of stories we're looking for uh i asked him if i could write up a pitch and he said yes and so i contacted dayton who i had befriended when we met uh interviewed him for the communicator when he had placed his first story in uh the strange new worlds anthologies and I told him that I had this, and this was what was happening, and I don't know really how this is going to work, but I don't think I want to do it by myself. And he said, well, then let's let's do it together. So we uh, pitched a story that was originally going to be a 25,000-word story. They liked it enough that they thought it was worth expanding to 50,000 words. So we wrote a uh, – so we wrote what was what was released as a two parter in uh you know, for, uh, Star Trek ebooks for S C E it was um books I believe it was books number four and five. Um and then uh he uh asked us after that if we wanted to write a three e book series that would be the twenty third century origins of the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. And then we were off and running. So uh it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um the uh you know, interface our word count together makes it more or less a short novel. Um the uh um for uh, uh and then uh, Foundations, which were the three Starfleet Corps of Engineering stories that we did uh, for that, the uh, became kind of our second novel length um work and then uh, around the time after we did that we got invited to do uh um, to take part in the time to, uh, it was a uh, it was a series of uh, nine novels that was uh, you know based on uh, the, uh, um, uh, was, I don't know if it's if it was a psalm or a verse in the Bible, but the, you know so there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to to sow, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, like that stuff. So oh, there's yes. nine books. The bird yeah. song, the song for the yes, birds. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, turn, turn, turn. And um so that's where uh, so that's how we got started. I mean our the first I'm pretty sure that the first um, first time that I was in print, uh, I want to say it was two thousand. I think that the that the ebook came out in 2000 and then uh, um, and then uh, uh, SCE started to uh, uh, show up in uh, in they were collecting it in paperback volumes so i think dayton and i in as far as fiction goes have been in uh, in print together uh we're i think we're coming up on uh 19 years
0: i know dayton has written a few novels of his own um, oh i
1: think you know i you know i haven't counted but i'm i'm pretty sure that dayton has written more novels on his own than he and i have together i'd have to take a look at his uh um, and his bibliography. But I think together, he and I have written um, either 10 or 11 novels. I can't remember what the official count is. But uh, um, we've either uh, written uh, nine Star Trek novels together um, or 10. And then we wrote a novel together for the 4400 TV series. So...
0: So does that mean you're like his Art Garfunkel, or
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely? <laughs> There's no question. Um, I am. I am value added. Um, you know our stories. Uh, you know certainly. I mean, you know the. I don't know if the tone is different or the voice is different. I mean, I think you can tell the difference between a story that he writes himself and a story that we write together. I certainly know you can tell a difference between a story that we write together and a story that I write myself. You know, I've I've written some things. I've written, I think, three, two or three um, pieces of uh, Star Trek fiction that are totally by myself. Um, I wrote a uh, story in a uh, New Frontiers anthology that uh, was centered on Erics, um, of course, you know, which only makes sense being I'm a, uh, uh animation guy. Um, but uh, uh, Peter David brought – Erickson Ress, um, Into his New Frontier uh, Novels And so I wrote a story That uh, was kind of uh, uh, Sets it up To how Erick's, um Made it into uh, um, The 24th century And then I wrote a uh, novella That was collected In um, the Vanguard Um uh, uh, Volume called um, Star Trek Vandar Declassified um, Marco Palmieri and Dave Mack, who developed the series, and then Dayton and I, because the three of us, Dave Dayton, and I were the only writers of the series, um, each wrote our own novella um, that uh, my story uh, takes place in between two of the books dayton 's story predates the books, and then uh, uh, dave 's and marco 's stories both come after uh, what was the current book in the series. So it was kind of fun to write some interstitial stuff.
0: Okay, because I was going to ask if you had done any novels
1: of your own or if you had any I, plans. I have to... not. Um, you know, I don't have any current plans. I'm certainly uh, um, you know, interested in uh, – I mean, you know, I've mean, never turned down the opportunity to write fiction. Dayton and I still work together. In fact, tomorrow we're getting together – to work on an essay that we're doing for a uh, book that is planned. I don't know if the book has been announced, so I'm not going to (laughs) say, but uh, we're, uh, we're working together on an essay. That'll be in a volume. Um, I believe, um, our deadline for it's the 31st. So my guess is the volume will be published sometime in 2019. Um, and then, uh, uh, we also are are we had a lot of fun writing that issue of uh of uh star trek waypoint then uh, so i think we'd try our hand at comics again if we had a chance um and that's about it i mean i'm working uh through hallmark on a comic right now that uh, is actually a lot of fun i'm uh, Um, working as the uh, content approver on Hallmark's end for a uh, comic book based on our character Rainbow Bright. Uh, It's an all-ages comic that Dynamite Entertainment is publishing. Issue three is going to be on the shelves in a few weeks. Um, The first one came out on uh, the first Wednesday in October, and then we had one come out uh, uh, last month, and uh, number three will come out this month. And It's been a lot of fun uh, creating something for kids.
0: Okay, as I understand it, um, with Star Trek fan films, people who have worked on actual canon Star Trek are not allowed to contribute at all to fan films. But I don't know if that would cover people who have worked on
1: novels and or short stories. Um, I, you know, I'll I'll be honest. I um I steer clear of the of fan work. It's not that I don't appreciate their efforts. I'm sure I'd be entertained by, um, you know, writing or comics or, you know, screenplays, radio plays, uh, podcast. Not, I mean, not a podcast like like this, but like a fictional podcast or uh, um, or videos, and and that is only um, to uh, protect, um, you know, CBS as the license holder. Um, I would never want to come up i mean my my ideas are so few and far between <laughs> that I would hate <coughs> for me to uh uh land on something that uh um that somebody could come back and say, Hey, this is pretty similar to uh you know a uh, fan film that what, that you know this guy made eight years ago or whatever um you know i mean and maybe it is I don't know, but uh um but I but the reason I don't know is because I don't watch them. Um I I just uh it's I just try to put a little bit of a barrier in between. I would never want to uh, inadvertently get close to somebody else's creative material. However, if uh, you're going to write a story or do a video that is based on Star Trek, well, that's intellectual property of uh of CBS and they have the rights to uh Uh, Make money off of that, and uh, have the rights to control it. uh, You know, to keep their uh, um, their uh, property rights. So, yeah, that's not. It's. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't. I mean, if you know, I mean, I'm. If I had never gone into this as a professional track, then yeah, it would be a lot of fun to uh, get involved in a uh, um, in that kind of deal. But uh, but for me myself, and you know, there there may be different. For other people who've worked on uh, novels and stuff like that, I just kind of steer clear of it.
0: Well, let me just say, um, the Klingon I play is Crowrath, K-R-O-A-R-T-H, mm-hmm. Wrath, named after Kevin Cronin and Gary Rich Ario Speedwagon. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> I did not know that was the origin of the name.
0: And if you feel the need to include a Klingon character at some point in an upcoming project, I would be flattered well, and honored and delighted if it would. I
1: I will tell you this, and this is you know the uh, um, you know it's 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 Dayton's and my rule um, that if if somebody asks to be put in a book, we'll put them in a book, and then we'll kill them. <laughs> if we put someone in who doesn't ask, then that person generally gets to live a long and happy life. So I'll offer that to you again. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> if if that's if it's if if uh, after after due consideration, if that is still uh, uh, something you would uh, you know, I can I can put you on the list of uh, of of our usual suspects. But that has been Dayton's and my rule of thumb since the beginning. You know, if you ask, we put in a book. Sure, we'll put you in a book, and usually something horrific will happen.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: my Andorian alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's stick it to the andorians for crying out loud that's funny um
0: <laughs> commander shiv shiv can live or die at this point Ooh, shiv
1: well you know i mean that, that sounds like a prison name already
0: you remember blue briefcase coat full of blues do i do i remember briefcase full of blues you remember
1: um the introduction of the band members oh absolutely that's paul the shiv safer there you go yeah, that's yeah. Um, Briefcase just uh, celebrated its 40th anniversary. Um, it came out at the end of November in 1978.
0: That's where I got the name for the
1: character. Excellent. Yes, that's. Uh, I mean, I could probably name off the whole band if you gave me a minute. Oh, um I but uh, I you know see. Tom Triple Scale Scott and uh, Steve Gedwa Jordan on drums and Duck Dunn and uh, Mac Tar Murphy, who just died earlier this year. Um, Blue, Alan Rubin, Mister Fabulous, Blue Lou. Um, yeah, Blue Lou Blue, 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 Marini. Um, Colonel. So, yeah, we're going to – oh, Steve the Colonel, Cropper. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there's – there's that's uh, – Blues Brothers have been a, uh, um, uh, been near and dear to my heart since the first time I saw them uh, live on SNL. I was, I was in front of the TV when it was running live the first time they got trotted out. So it's uh, – ever since, uh, I've been a big fan. Yep.
0: Uh, and I'm right there with your brother I'm right there with your I'm sorry, uh, Kevin uh, Noble Yes uh, Please jump in if you have anything I've just been listening
2: uh, I had a question at one point kind of forgot what it was so I'm Blue... sorry It's okay, it happens um, So anyway, yeah uh, I've seen the Blues Brothers I haven't seen the full movie Actually, my dad owns it and I've never watched it from beginning to end, unfortunately. I, I want to, it's just that something else keeps getting in the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay. The uh, um, the movie is a lot of fun, and it's uh, uh, it certainly is uh, something that I think holds up. Um, you know, there are some uh, comedies that uh, that you know don't age as well, but uh, I will give um, John Landis credit where and, and truthfully i uh don't know that i can uh um uh do the same for john hughes although i admire him as well um i think that uh that 16 candles and uh and breakfast club and you know which are you know his landmark uh comedies uh sometimes show a little wear um there um there's some things that i think uh in 2018, and our uh, uh, awareness doesn't quite—we uh, we squirm a little bit more in front of those. But a John Landis comedy, um, Animal House, and The Blues Brothers, and American Werewolf in London, um, are ones that uh, that immediately uh, come to mind. Um, I, I think that uh, he um, that his his work is uh, really great at uh, standing the test of time myself as just one guy
0: oh animal house is politically incorrect all the way around and
1: oh absolutely but it's also it so. was yeah it also is rooted in its time i mean it was 1978 looking back on 1963 which i think couch gives it a little bit more of a uh, um a, a, you get a little bit more permission to do that to do some of those things than, uh, than in, uh, say, you know the, a contemporary comedy that just doesn't age as well.
0: Yeah, I was fascinated. I saw a couple of um, documentaries about the making of Animal House. Uh-huh. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, Harold Ramis wrote it for himself and the guys from Second City, who were yeah. then the uh, original uh, um, SNL cast with uh, Bill Murray was supposed to be in it and uh, uh, Chevy Chase and everybody. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chevy,
1: they, they looked at Chevy Chase to play uh, the uh, Tim Matheson role of Otter. Yeah, D-Day, um, D-day
0: was Danny Ackroyd.
1: Yep, for sure.
0: And they said that, so. uh, of course, they had to go with alternates because, for the most part, everyone said no. Um, right. The thing that, that got to me, the trivia for you, real quick, the alternate they had for Belushi for Blutarski, do you realize who that was?
1: Um. You know, I don't. I know. I know Zero Mostel's son Josh played the Bluto character on TV, but I don't know who uh, they who they were looking at for for Bluto.
0: It was a certain actor, singer from uh, Texas, who was making his name at the time as Meatloaf.
1: I <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
0: That blew my mind. <laughs> you know,
1: I think he would have been he would have been fine. He'd done that Rocky Horror Picture Show by that point, so. Uh, um, so he certainly could have got in front of the camera and had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we got off on this tangent, which is... Uh, Sorry. <laughs> I do that.
1: That's life with me. You're just really going to have does. to to understand that's how things happen when you start chatting with me.
0: Okay, we should start winding this down, whether we want to or not. Um.
1: I Absolutely.
0: I was going to give you the trivia quiz. I, and when Dayton was on, I gave him the Kansas City edition of the quiz with questions about behind the scenes and um kansas city in star trek and i was thinking that maybe give you the um level two
1: (laughs) well i will tell you this is i very much enjoy playing pub trivia but uh but i'm also a reporter in the sense that uh i don't i don't necessarily have to know everything i only have to know where to find it but if you want to shoot me some questions and, and hear a lot of I don't knows, you're more than welcome to.
0: <laughs> okay, so that being the case, I'll just go ahead and give you the standard uh, trivia questions that we have for most everybody.
1: Oh, hey, th- yeah, whatever. Yeah, th- throw, 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 give me your best shot. Okay, Stevie's Tough But Not Too
0: Tough trivia challenge. There'll be a series of five questions. If you get three of them correct, You will win the chance to impress your friends and embarrass your children with your trivial knowledge. (laughs) If you get all five correct, there will be a sixth and final bonus question for Double or Nothing's Sakes. Are you ready? Wow, I'm ready. Okay. Question one. Before being cast as Dr. Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation, Gates McFadden was a well-known Hollywood choreographer who worked frequently with Jim Henson and the Muppets, including doing the work on the 1986 fantasy musical Labyrinth. Who was the star of Labyrinth?
1: Well, the, who's, who's the star? Uh, Jennifer Connolly, unless you're counting David Bowie. Let
0: me show you that again. Who, which pop culture musical icon, who is also known as the Starman, was the star of
1: Labyrinth? <laughs> that would be David Bowie. Okay, good. That's no, correct. wait. Yeah, that's okay. Yes. Okay, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's right. Okay, question
0: two. Uh, Bernie Casey uh, appeared, guest starred in the Deep Space Nine two-part episode, The Maquis, as Lieutenant Commander Cal Hudson. Previously in his career, he had co-starred in the 1976 cult sci-fi classic, The Man Who Fell to Earth. What pop culture musical icon, also known as the (laughs) Starman, was the star of The Man Who Fell to Earth? I, I, I think that's David Bowie. That's correct. That's two for two. Question number three. Uh Oscar Award winning makeup artist turned graphic designer Doug Drexler began his career in Hollywood doing makeup effects on the nineteen eighty one uh horror uh classic The Hunger. What pop culture yes. musical icon <laughs> known as the Starman was one of the co stars of The Hunger? Okay,
1: I'm pretty sure it was David Bowie. That's
0: correct. Wow. <laughs> Question number four. The exotic Ethiopian model Iman-turned-actress Iman uh, appeared in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, as the Kamaloid Martia. What pop culture
1: musical icon known as the Starman (laughs) was Iman married to? You know, I think I know this one. I remember this. Um, Actually, I just read a story that uh, was was a little heartbreaking, that she said she uh, was pretty confident she would never marry again since the passing of uh, her husband, David Bowie. Yeah,
0: that's sad, but it's true, she was. It is sad. Question five, final question. Iggy Pop guest starred in the Deep Space Nine episode The Magnificent Ferengi as the Vorte Yelgrin. Uh, yes. Before becoming an actor, he was a, uh, a recording artist who worked frequently in the 70s and 80s with what pop culture musical, including on the song uh, China Girl.
1: Was, yes, what, he was what, on China what, Girl.
0: What pop culture musical icon?
1: With 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 David Bowie. I'm a Stooges fan, so you got so you know, so you were hit my sweet spot there.
0: That's correct. So that's all Does five. this mean
1: I get the bonus question? You get the bonus
0: question. Sixth final question. What pop culture musical icon, known as the Starman, never actually appeared in Star Trek himself but should have. <laughs> um, Alice Cooper. No, the answer we're looking for is Paul Stanley's oh.
1: Starman from Kiss. <laughs> Paul Stanley. That's what I should have guessed. Well, Dang it! We would have looked with David Bowie. Oh, well, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but but David Bowie was in Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, and you know, so that was that was a a fine role, and uh, he also uh, what uh, what 1980. Uh, horror film did he do the uh title song for? Paul, I believe Paul Schrader directed it. That'd be cat people. Do you remember that? Did I lose my connection? Was that it? No, oh I'm sorry. I, I hit <laughs> I hit the mute button by mistake. <laughs> but no I thought for, I was waiting for the cat people. Um uh, Nastasia Kinski and Malcolm McDowell Those... who killed there's there's if you need to rewrite a question, it's right there. Malcolm McDowell, who killed Captain Kirk, starred in Cat People, featuring the title song written by what 1970s pop culture icon known as the Starman? Okay, I'll put that into the mix. <laughs> uh,
0: I was asking about Paul Williams, who appeared in this uh, Voyager episode of
1: Virtuoso, who, wrote who also was Virgil in, uh, in uh, Battle for Plenty of Apes and was a Phantom of the Paradise.
0: And he wrote the song – David Boyd did a version of Hunky Dory – something about fill your heart with love today
1: oh i don't know uh that one would have stumped me
0: i had to pull it up hunky dory that's okay
1: 1970 something uh so that's good i was i remember i was in las vegas uh when uh with my daughter and son-in-law um when uh we got word that david bowie had died Mm. And we went to, I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but on Fremont Street, they have something called the Fremont Street Experience, which is this three-block-long canopy over the street that is, uh, you know, uh, LEDs. And they show videos, and thing, or they can emit videos and uh, um, do a lot of musical um, uh, kind of attributes uh, at the top of every hour. And the, so we went down to Fremont Street, and they had um, that night at the top of the hour um, played their David Bowie tribute every, uh, uh, every hour. So it was very cool to kind of be there, and, and you know, you end up starting conversations with people next to you because we all left the, you know, the casinos and the restaurants and whatever to go out to the street and just listen to uh, uh, about a 10-minute run of David Bowie music and see the videos over our head. It was a, really, it was a great tribute.
0: Oh, wow, yeah. I I went to Vegas, uh, I've been to Vegas twice, and, of course, I went in 98, Memorial Day weekend, for the Star Trek oh, okay. experience. Yeah. And, um, okay, I just looked it up, Paul Williams wrote the song, Fill Your Heart, which is on Hunky Dory. Okay, I did okay. not know that. I, ha- I haven't seen Cat People yet.
1: Um, I'm it's weird. It <laughs> Definitely weird.
0: And I could ask you questions, of, I could have... The other questions I had were about um, behind the scenes, such as oh. which star of Star Trek Enterprise was also a KU um, alumni.
1: Uh, that's Scott Bakula.
0: Yeah, and his co-star that went to UMKC,
1: uh, Connor Trinneer.
0: Yeah, that kind of stuff. Well,
1: yeah, I actually, uh, um, I when I interviewed Connor for, um, I interviewed Connor. For Enterprise, I did the first interview of every cast member of Enterprise for Star Trek Communicator, except Bacula and Jolene Blaylock. Although I did not, I didn't interview her. My editor sent me the audio tape of um, his interview with her, and I wrote the story because he was just flat out crunched for time. But I got to interview everyone else, including Connor. And had a chance to uh, talk to him, but he really enjoyed his uh, time in Kansas City. We a couple years ago, Dayton and I were at the same convention as him, and I went and got him a, uh, a UMKC t-shirt, and uh, and brought it to him. But uh, the last time I interviewed him for the magazine um, was going to be for the end, you know, to talk about season four. And our, and, and like two days before the interview, uh, they canceled the show. And so I called his agent and asked if he still wanted to do the interview, and he said he did. And so I talked to him, um, uh, just you know, t- I mean, just a couple days after the cancellation, and I felt horrible. I mean, he was he, he was uh, um, it was like talking to a guy who just backed over his own dog. I mean, he was just down and and still a little numb from it, and uh, I, I, I really had always uh, felt bad about that. But he gave me a great interview. Wow. I can't imagine no it was it was i it, I really felt bad,
0: yeah, okay, well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up, sure, um ladies and gentlemen, this is you've been listening, you've been foolishly wasting the last hour or so <laughs> listening to the Omega directive. this program is available on Podcast.com dot com as well as iTunes, and if you like what you've heard, go to iTunes, please subscribe, leave a positive review, and um I want to give thanks again to. Well, first I'm going to say thanks real quick to Adam Mullen who wrote the theme song for the program and who helped me figure out how to put a podcast together. Then I need to give thanks to my co-host Kevin Dr. K, Dr. Guy KS, and ask Kevin if you would please um all your information about where to find you online.
2: Yep, um social media uh is uh drguyks uh except for on Twitter, which is still the same thing. That's my uh, video game feed. If you want to follow my more general, less updated uh, general Twitter, it's a citizen of GLFRY. But gaming-wise, it's D R G U I'm found on pretty much every gaming platform with that screen name, so that way people can get a hold of me and ask me questions about games or whatever, or rather the games that I play. I do have a Twitch feed that I do with the same gamer tag, that you can find me at, and uh, right now I'm doing a segment on how to do Star Trek online 100% free, so check that out. Uh, Tomorrow night will, of course, be uh, Q's Winter Wonderland, which is currently going on from now until uh, January 17th. That's the correct word, January 17th, and be sure to check that out so you can learn how to do that. Again, this is all 100% free playthrough. No paid content or as little paid content as I can get away with
0: okay I just want to mention <clears throat> I'm recording it we're recording this on the eighth of uh December 2018 it's going to be edited yeah. and posted on next weekend um next uh which would be the uh, the weekend of the fifteenth and sixteenth you know uh, but uh, uh he you can still use Wonderland is running until G- Yeah. so January which? Uh, 17th,
2: 2019.
0: Okay, so clues and cues and tips will be there. And as for Kevin Dilmore, the uh, guy who, uh, even though he's made quite a success for himself in the world of Star Trek um, writing, still hasn't quit his day job.
1: (laughs) If people want to... I would lose that much of my Star Trek connection if I did. I mean, who would be around to, to keep an eye on the ornaments? Exactly.
0: If people want to get a hold of you, if people want to um, contact you for anything, uh, where can they find you online at all?
1: Two, two best places are uh, Twitter, um, where I'm at Kevin Dillmore, and my Facebook page, which is Kevin Dillmore. Okay, and I know that you will be um, – you are
0: signed up to – appear at uh, planet comic-con which is coming in
1: march yes my the my tentative schedule for uh, uh, convention appearances is uh um i'm uh uh, intending to be at art con uh which is i believe the first weekend in february um and i i think that if you just do a a search on the uh, just the phrase art con missouri um you can probably uh, probably get to it um and in fact i'm attempting to do that as we speak just because i want to make sure that that that's a uh that i'm giving you good information um the uh I, dayton and i are uh typically um uh well no that's not gonna uh yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll send you the uh, the link. Uh, Dana and I typically are uh, guests at Starfest in Denver, uh, and uh, that uh, takes place uh, in 2019 in April, and uh, so and then we'll uh, uh, the both of us are going to be at Planet Comic Con in Kansas City at the uh, at the end of March. I'm pretty sure that the uh, that the dates for for uh planet comic-con are march 29 30 and 31 uh the one day show that i'll be in in uh, uh that art con i believe is february 9th and then i believe the uh the dates for uh um uh, the dates for starfest uh 2019 are going to be in uh, in april as well
0: okay um, and I mentioned, I think I mentioned this before, but um, one of my non-paying gigs that currently is to find as many different conventions that are around the Midwest as possible. So ArtCon is well, something I want to look into.
1: Sure, and I mean, and and uh, you know, Starfest in Denver is is always uh, a lot of fun, and, uh, and and certainly in my mind, um, you know, worth the. Uh, um, you know, um, Worth the trip, so you know, it's encourage. In fact, that'll be um, April uh, twenty six, twenty seven, and twenty eight. Um, they don't have uh, any of their uh, twenty nineteen guests up yet, but my guess, but my uh, um, uh, thought is that uh, they will uh, start announcing those in the spring.
0: Yeah, I've been looking for those. As I understand it, uh, Starfest is one of those conventions that's been around for a long time. But that started, yes. started as a Star Trek convention. And, yes. But because Creation now owns the rights to the term Star Trek convention, they can't say there is Star Trek convention.
1: Well, I mean, uh, the uh, um, uh, I mean, Starfest. They are uh, twenty nineteen will be their forty second consecutive year as a show um they i'm I'm sure they started with their roots in uh uh, in star trek but they they really celebrate uh uh, all sorts of fandoms um they uh um run a uh uh, game fest and a uh uh, comic fest and and even uh uh, klingon fest and model fest as part of their uh uh, convention so you might want to uh, give that one a look
0: yeah, I really want to get there. I'll see if I can afford it. If not, I'm pretty sure my brother who lives in Denver will be turning out. Oh, that sounds great.
1: Yeah, send him around.
0: Otherwise, uh, the rest of the year is yet to be discovered. Sure. Um, and we, as a programming note, we are going to be doing an interview with Doug Drexler on the 29th because he's producing the Star Trek ship Alliance calendar and so we want to talk about calendars and the new year and what's going to be happening with this program uh, as far as we know. Otherwise, everyone, thanks so much again for tuning in. Thank you both, Kevins, for being a part of this, and um, have a good day, live long and prosper, and don't take any wooden quatlus. Bye-bye, everyone.
1: Bye. So long.